Hey, Brittany and Jesse. This is Daryl from Georgia. And I never listened to I Doubt It with Dalamore because Jesse turns everything into a shit show. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Creating shit shows since 2014. Thank you for joining us, episode 498 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined this evening by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly Brittany Page. So I know I make a joke out of talking about at bully, at bully with a Y Popeye um, and his Instagram. But can we just can we take a moment to talk about how much I love this dog? Goddamn. I so I I did have animals growing up, but I don't remember having an attachment to any of them. And I don't know what that was about. Maybe it was because any moment they could be murdered by your dad. So we won't get into that right now. That will be uh, in my book. Check it out. And uh, <laughs> but no, I I wonder if some of it is also that I was a, a poor kid and I didn't know that people took their pets to like doctors, even to the vet, and right. paid yeah. for that. Like when my animals got sick, they just died. That's kind of or they were what just happened. sick. They died, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> But I... Not really funny. That, I think that's more of an uncomfortable laugh or making fun of the ridiculous attitude. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, oh, they died. Ha, ha, no, ha. That's not what we were Dead doing. Dead dogs. Everyone understands what we were doing. <laughs> um, but I love this dog. And I, I... I'm loving him a little less today, but go ahead. We'll, we can get we'll, to we'll my, talk about what happened. Thing. We'll talk about... He had uh, some issues, but I kiss him goodbye when I leave for work. Like, he's a part of my deal now. Like, yeah. I, when I get home, he gets excited and starts ooh, jumping up and yeah. down and it's 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 very cute and i know i'm i'm very late to the game here people are listening to this like yeah this is why we love our pets idiot <laughs> you know um but i'm starting to feel that right now you know yeah. i'm starting to feel it and i i get it now i understand but he did have some issues so we adopted him and he is seven years old and we're still trying to figure it out with him. You know, he, yeah. he has his own issues. He's blind in one eye and we're trying to figure out his diet and things like that. He loves all food. He's always trying to eat everybody's food. And he had an issue where we think maybe he got overheated and he couldn't sleep all night and he actually peed in the house well, for the well, first time. Well, it is, we have a crate for him, which he doesn't go in or sleep in, but he went in there... To pee. And peed on the pad in there, which it's really more of my problem because I'm I'm uh, ins- I'm kind of an insomniac. I have a problem with sleeping. And it, ha- it hasn't been bad for years and years and years. It's been great. Yeah. But, but I still have this remnant of it, and that is when I wake up, I'm mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And he did it at like... 1 30 or 2 30 in the morning and i know I, I i kind of sensed him moving around i woke up mm-hmm. and i saw that he had done it yeah and then i'm not just gonna leave it there i gotta obviously he guys go out so i took him out and then i'm fucking awake then i'm awake all night long until 6 a.m mm-hmm. you get up and go to work i go to bed and now my fucking sleep thing is fucked yeah so we didn't intend to explain why the episode is late, but there oh, you go. Oh, that's yeah. That, I wasn't doing that at all. But <laughs> that is. I'm, it, yeah. I'm now. I'm kind of getting back. Yeah. I took Nyquil last night to sleep all night, and then I woke up and I'm a foggy fucking mess. You know, for something that's not supposed to have side effects, the 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 coughing sleepyhead music or whatever, so you can sleep medicine, whatever. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's Nyquil. Well, music. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, it is. That theme song is for NyQuil? It's not a theme song. It's a state, like the, the coughing, sneezing, 
a stuffy head medicine it's so a you theme can sleep. Song. No, it's their it's their official slogan that they've approved. There's no the music to it. It's not a song. They sing it in a sing songy way. It's a fucking song. They don't sing that in a sing songy way. No. It's someone very oh, and it's your nighttime sleep time. It's someone being very serious as they uh, stay. So it. it's either serious or it's a song. I mean, what in the fuck for the is purpose of this right argument? Now? Yeah. What are you talking about? It's either serious or it's a song. Well, because I want to be. It's right. either a very deep <laughs> philosophy lecture at a college or it's fucking ragtime music. Well, I want to be right. <laughs> I want to be correct. Anyway, they act like you wake up refreshed, and I wake up like someone's been he be- beating me over the head with an old fucking boot all night. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. So anyway, we're back, and I'm fucking feeling mildly better trying to get back onto a sleep schedule, mm-hmm. and Brittany loves the dog. I guess that's what we're getting at. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, we do want to <laughs> talk about okay. things that actually matter. So um, I know first time listeners are like, well, I thought this was a fucking politics show. What's yeah. happening right now? Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, so I did come across uh, a study that we, we wanted to talk about because we did get some positive feedback on talking about the poverty study. And I we, we even got a voicemail, which yeah. we never get like, hey. Hashtag thumbs up, guys. Yeah, you know, let's go ahead and play that just so we can feel all pepped up as we go in talking to this next study. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, Jeremy from Kansas. I am listening to the latest episode um, in which you guys talk about childhood poverty. And I just wanted to say that was a great conversation. Um, a lot of useful information and eye-opening facts on that. So uh, good job. See, everybody needs this, right? Everyone needs some positive reinforcement every once in a while. Hey, yeah. you're doing a good job. Yeah, no, Keep it up. It's good, for sure. Yeah, it's great. So it gives me motivation, though, to talk about the study that I want to talk about today, which is pretty remarkable. So Stanford University researchers have examined almost 100 million traffic stops. Wow. Did you hear that? A hundred million traffic. That's a mm-hmm. that's a lot. That guy is bummed out. From <laughs> that guy, I'm sure it was one dude doing all this. Um, from 2011 to 2017, across 21 state agencies, including California, New York, Illinois, Texas, okay, big states, and 29 municipal police departments, including New Orleans, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and St. Paul, Minnesota, okay. The results that they found showed that the police stopped and searched black and Latino drivers on the basis of less evidence than used in stopping white drivers. Not a shock. Who are searched less often, but are more likely to be found with illegal items. Hmm. Did you hear that? Yeah. More likely to be found with illegal items. The white people. Um. So the important part of this and the reason that that people may actually see this being reported in mainstream media, um, there's NBC News is reporting this. I believe I saw an article in the New York Times about it. It's it's making mainstream media good. media good. sources. Good. But one of the reasons that it, it it's making that waves is because the Stanford study actually did something really interesting. OK, they didn't explicitly ask for the biases that the police have. What they did was they used the time of day as a proxy for racial racial discrimination. Hmm. Does this make sense? So, I'm, su- I'm sure it will soon. Okay, so the time of day or night that police officers pulled people over plays a role in the racial discrimination aspect of this because they can't tell what the race of the person is at night, or it's more difficult to tell because what the it's race dark is. in the car. Correct. So when they did daytime stops, racism on parade at night, it was pretty metered out. Is that what is that what the finding was? Yeah. So after adjusting for variation in sunset times across the year, wow, they went that far. Re- that is fucking awesome. Researchers found a five to ten percent drop in the share of stopped drivers after sunset who are black. Suggesting that black drivers are being racially profiled during the day. And it's certainly not that black drivers just aren't on the road when it gets dark. Yes. Very good, Jesse D. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, right? Because this is a very 
um, I mean, fascinating approach to take here, yeah. right? You're not you're not doing an implicit bias situation. You're not throwing in some sort of bias measure for the police. You're actually using the time of day. How yeah. likely is it that they can determine the race of the person that they're stopping based on daytime, nighttime? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, th- this is exactly the kind of studies that we need that will chip away at the the blue wall of silence and this is one of those situations where they just deny well no no we we don't uh, we don't have any biases we don't have any discriminatory behaviors there's no problem with our policing but clearly there is well and of course like i was talking about um related to the evidence um so that bar the bar for evidence for pulling someone over and searching them is lower for black and Latino drivers than it is for white drivers. Right. There's a higher threshold needed. To, oh, you're white. Well, there's all these things I need to jump through to search your car. Oh, you're black. Well, fuck you. I'm searching your car. And so what's interesting about that, though, is that across different states, the contraband that was found, um, it 36% for white drivers... Okay, in searches of white drivers and 32% for black drivers and 26% for Latinos. So higher overall, they found bad shit with white people, Mm -hmm. even though they search far more black and Latino drivers. Yes. God damn. So they should be ashamed. There should be shame involved in police uh, uh, departments all across the country mm-hmm. that they're not getting it right. This isn't just a blind justice. This isn't equal justice under the law. This is all oh, your black. A different standard is set for you than, you know, Kip Wellington. I'm trying to think of a, the whitest white guy name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's fucking, that's antithetical to what we aspire to be in America. Well, the strange thing about this is that the Stanford researchers made public records requests, right, to the police departments. Right. Let me guess. Pushback. Well, yeah. Not not all police departments even track the data. I mean, you're talking about right. not all police departments were willing to release the data. Not Not all of them even track the data. You had four states where they said they didn't have information on driver's race. And then 15 failed to say whether they collect any data at all. You know, so it's, do these people even care? And again, these are major police departments. This isn't like some podunk town like I grew up in. These are, you know, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, St. Paul, New Orleans, the larger police departments in California, New York City. They should be tracking this so Mm -hmm. they can correct their own mistakes if they find them. Right. But they're not interested in that, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's also about transparency, right? For sure. And ensuring that the public is aware of what's going on, that the public has access to this information. We always see these videos come out and people try to say, oh, that's just one case. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, that's just one situation. We don't know what really goes on. Okay. And now we have this study of one 100 million traffic stops. Well, what, what it does is you can point, you can say oh, this and this, this happened to this guy. And they say, well, that's just one case. So, yeah, well, this one case fits into the narrative that was created by this larger study. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one case. This is one case of 100 million or however many there were. Yeah, almost 100 million traffic stops. God damn. So it gets really frustrating to continue to have these conversations about how racial bias isn't an issue. It's not important when... The research is telling us otherwise, right? And someone may say, well, this is just one study, right? It's one, It's only one study of 100 million traffic stops. But even if that's the case, <laughs> even if it is just one study, well, are you going to be accepting the evidence as it builds? Yeah. As it continues to grow and expand, will you be accepting it then? Hey, listen, Brittany, blue lives matter. Mm-hmm. Someday you're going to fucking realize blue lives matter. And those hundred million traffic stops, eh, blue lives matter. Mm-hmm. So do all lives, Brittany. Yeah. Quit being such a libtard. Yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we see something come out of this. Yeah. Right. Something beneficial. Well, at least I mean, how I don't want to get any more into too much depth here, but I'm sure that this study took a long time, and that's not a problem. It comes with the territory, but. I would hope that there would be several studies in line ready to, to stack on top of this one 
to make this um, findings, the findings that we're able to extrapolate, um, compoundable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, one of the co-authors says that he hopes law enforcement agencies will look at their own numbers and recognize racial disparities as well as potential solutions to this problem. One option that was suggested was that if police are going to patrol high crime neighborhoods then they should not be stopping drivers for things like failing to signal or for a broken taillight. Right, right. And we see how often, based on the videos that are leaked, um, a simple situation of stopping someone for something relatively minor turns into... Philando Castile. A death. That's right. Philando Castile, the licensed concealed carry permit owner, carrier, dead because a broken taillight. Mm-hmm. And so if you're un- ostensibly, ostensibly a right. broken tail. And so if you're unfairly, if you have racist motivations and you're targeting racial minorities because you think that you'll be able to write an extra ticket or you'll be able to get an extra arrest yeah. or whatever it might be, you meet some sort of quota that you need to meet for that month. That's that's not good. You know, we need to reevaluate what's going on in these police departments to ensure that they understand their obligations to the Constitution and that they're not overstepping the authority that they have been given. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, that's good. I'm uh, I'm always super excited about the studies that you find. And I think the audience, as evidenced by the feedback we got, they also like it. So let's move on to that second phone call before we do move on with the show. Uh, and this one does involve the shooting in New Zealand. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jen from Long Beach calling in. Um, I wanted to talk about the Muslim shooting that's happened in New Zealand and just the ridiculous things that are coming out of the right because of it, mainly their supporters and their base. So they're saying things like, never forget 9-11, and it's their fault, they deserved it, to 50 innocent people losing their lives when they were just worshipping. And it just baffles me that they will say things like, never forget 9-11, and blame every Muslim for the act of Osama bin Laden. And yet, when... As a black person, we bring up, okay, what about slavery? You're always telling us to forget that and forget Jim Crow and forget segregation, but you don't want to forget 9-11. You want us to get over centuries worth of pain and anguish, but never forget an incident that happened in one day. Granted, it was a horrible incident that affected thousands, if not millions of lives, But to say that every Muslim for the rest of their life must be in some sort of like perpetual forever paying for it makes no sense. But at the same time, it's like if we're using your same logic, doesn't that mean that black people can say that white people deserve to be perpetually punished for every single thing that happened before slavery ended and during segregation and everything like that it just when you it's like when you bring that up to them they still want to act like oh that it's that's not the same thing you're comparing apples to somebody actually said to me that i'm comparing apples to meat because oh it's it can't even say apples to oranges because it's fruit and you're completely off base And I was just trying to understand. So it's okay for you to say kill all Muslims because of 9-11. But it's not okay for me to say every white person should die because of slavery. It's very, it's, it's, it's harsh. I understand what I'm saying. It's like very harsh. But at the same time, even me being that harsh, they're not under, they're not hearing the ridiculousness in what it is that they're saying. I just, uh. I just want to know your thoughts on that. You guys have... Oh, my God. This is this is going to be a rough year. It will be. But we got you. So very grateful for that. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, while, while, while we appreciate your gratitude for us, we do appreciate your gratitude. I don't know how much we're going to... 
how much of a solace that we will be or be able to provide with the coming year. Because I agree with you, Jen, that it is going to be hard this year. I think it's good. This campaign going into 2020 with Donald Trump is going to be harder than it was in 2016. Um, even though we know what to expect, we, we, we're walking into it with, with eyes having witnessed 2016. Mm-hmm. But I would say this one, I don't know where you're, where you're hanging out online, Jen, because I haven't seen any of that. And I, I for sure believe it's there because people are assholes, but I, I, I wouldn't engage that. That's that's not a heart and a mind that you're going to change by dialogue. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to me anyway. Yeah. No, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> yeah. I, I. It might be that Jen is back in the Fox News threads. That's where we met. Oh, right. Yeah. So I I think that it could be that. And yeah, I think that there's there's something to that, Jesse D. Which is you have to understand that. There are some people that are too far gone, probably, right? Yeah, well, even like, what is what is never forget 9-11? What does that even mean? That, I think that it's become a bumper sticker, and then, therefore, it's become some nebulous... It just doesn't mean anything. Well, never forget 9-11. Well, of course, we're not going to forget it. Well, especially in this context, right? What does that have Comparing to... Comparing the two. Yeah, what does that have to do with the current situation are you trying to make a statement about the people that were killed yeah who knows were they related to 9-11 yeah i think i think no the advice i would give you jen is to pick your battles and uh if you encounter someone who is uh such a fucking idiot you just you don't engage that's what i would do i mean if not for your mental (laughs) if not for your mental health then than for, uh, you know, wasting your time. Yeah. Because someone who's that far gone, they're not swayable. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're some kind of a genius master manipulator of communication. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'd love to maybe ask the audience if they have some advice. 657-464-7609. Email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So we want to get to some follow-up on the Catholic Church sex abuse crisis because an interesting poll came out, uh, a poll that was released on Wednesday, and this was from Gallup. So I don't know if you want to play the pew, but it wouldn't necessarily apply because it it doesn't apply at all. It is Gallup, right? Yeah. Pew, 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 has them personally questioning whether to remain Catholic, compared with 62% who said it had not. Okay, so it's still not a majority, right, that right. have them questioning. Uh, a jump like that has to have the church um, really thinking, though. Mm-hmm. Frozen in its tracks to figure out what the fuck they're going to do, because when you have congregants considering, wow, should I leave? That's a big deal, especially where you're where you're talking about the afterlife and your, you know, the something supernatural. This is a, that's a, because let me tell you, it's not a far road once you leave to not believing at all. Yeah. And, and people who are experts do say that there's a difference between leaving and thinking about leaving. Yeah, No, for sure there is. Right. Considering, maybe thinking about it, but that's a different thing than actually I'm done with this and yeah. walking out. So you have people that have... But for some, that's a huge step. Even giving that idea space in your head... No, for sure. ...is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the the number of Catholics who were potentially leaving, right, is going up in number. Yeah. So I, I know we've had Catholic listeners reach out to us and say that they are alarmed and upset by the things that we talk about within the church and if they are thinking about it right uh you're not alone okay other people are also thinking about it so i think it's important to kind of put it in context i'd like to hear from some of our catholic um 
listeners mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. And, and and not even a judgment. If you choose to stay, it's not like you're, you're, I mean, I've said some pretty harsh things in the past that if you stay and you're a part of this church, and I still kind of believe that, but it wouldn't be a judgment zone relative to that. I guess I'm shooting myself in the foot all over the place here, asking for people to sound off. <laughs> Knowing the things that I've said in the past, but we'd love to hear from you about specifically your position and your choice to stay or not stay or consider leaving 657-464-7609. Of course, email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. So you can support us on Patreon. You can also support us by shopping on Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes, profanity free. But we do want to say announcements. Don't forget. What? Is there an announcement? That we have. That is not necessary. <laughs> I just heard announcements. Oh, God. It's really not exciting. <laughs> the Google Hangouts are this weekend. Oh! <laughs> the, the Patreon. I really set you up for a fucking. Yeah, you really did. The Yes. So the Google Hangouts are this week. Yes. We, we keep saying Google Hangouts. They're Zoom Hangouts now. We use a different program to manage the well, Hangouts. When, when we first started doing Hangouts, yeah. only, you know, 10 or so people, you know, f- fewer than 10 would join. Mm-hmm. Google Hangouts only allow 10 people to be connected at once, and that includes us. Yeah. So we had to move to a, a, pro- a program or a service that would allow more people, mm-hmm. and uh, we moved to Zoom. Yes. It's free for you. It's we pay for it, but it's free for you guys. Yes. So we are doing those Patreon hangouts this weekend. So Friday at 7 p.m. Note that we are moving in up an hour. 7 p.m. California time, That's Los right. Angeles time, Pacific time, whatever. And Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Pacific time. So. So you still have time. To yes. Join the Patreon family and get in on uh the live video chat. We, do we say that? It's a live video chat where we all sit around with coffee or drinks and, well, it's good and that, bullshit around. It's good that you say that because we have had people respond to the Patreon message when we send out the link to join the call at the specified time and they will say, wait a minute, what is this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've also had people join the call and then we see them flash up on the screen and then they quickly disconnect. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be this. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> It is a video call chat, whatever you want to call it, with us. We are in the chat. bullshitting with us. Yes. So that is what it is. And it's not like a monologue where we're reading or you're watching us do something. No, we're all talking. It's a conversation. Yes. We're not performing. Do not expect that of us. Yeah. There's not like a set number of topics that we talk about. No, no, no. There's a lot of awkward silences sometimes. In fact, the work is on you. (laughs) Bring something to talk about. That's right. Fuck you guys. Yes. You do the work. You come with the topics. 100%. You control the conversation. Exactly. All right. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there's a couple things I want to get to today. Um, One is um, a clip that we pushed last episode we didn't get to. And that it deals with Kellyanne Conway and her appearances on, on news programs. Don Lemon and and Chris Cuomo have a, 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 a an actual personal friendship. Uh, 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 did you catch that? Uh, an actual personal friendship mm-hmm. outside of work. Yes. And so when when Chris Cuomo's show ends and Don Lemon's show begins, sometimes they spend five or ten minutes just bullshitting when one hands to the tosses to the other for the next program. Yeah. And in this particular episode that happened last week, Chris Cuomo had just had Kellyanne Conway on. We all know how Kellyanne Conway performs when she's on these shows. She's condescending. She's lame. She's insulting. She's fucking gaslighting constantly. And Chris Cuomo said that this is the worst he's ever seen her perform, blah, blah, blah. And beautifully... 
Don Lemon took him to task for even having her on the show, and then a conversation ensued that I want to play and then talk about. I've um, never seen Kellyanne less effective in defense of the president than she was tonight. I think it maybe is getting just too hard to do. So here's the thing, then. This is how I feel, okay? This is do what you want. She never answers a question. She berates you. She's condescending. She uses our network for to t give her talking points. For me, it feels beneath the dignity of this network to have someone on who just constantly lies and misconstrues things. And I feel like having someone on like that is giving them a platform that they have not earned. When you come on CNN, you have an obligation to be honest to the American people. You can give your opinion, you can give your take, but it is a privilege to come on this network and speak to the American people. And if you're going to do it, do it directly and honestly. And so all she had to do was answer your question. She did. I, listen, it's tough because I would let her, I would have, if I had her on, which I probably wouldn't because I don't think she ever answers a question, give her 10 or 15 seconds, let her answer. She doesn't. I'll say, you're not going to answer it and then move on to the next question because she just doesn't. It's, I don't. I don't get anything out of it. It's just you two guys arguing back and forth. And yeah, I, had, oh, I don't look, know I the substance. I, I don't get, get the substance. I get of, the frustration. But first of all, let me say this. We've had this discussion before. Yeah. Um, if I held that standard, I'd have very few people on this show. And by the way, it's not a coincidence that Hannity and Maddow have so few guests. Okay? Uh, if you are going to limit who you have on this show to the people who only answer the questions and are truthful, uh, you're going to be alone but that's a lot not of the time. Answer. No, no, no. You know, but listen, some people will answer your questions, some and you do, can get them to answer if you push them. And that that's why the testing comes in. Here's here's what I think. Okay, she is the president's first choice for his defense. Mm -hmm. I believe he gets that right. That if this is who you want to put out to defend you, fine. And he I could want the audience too. to see. Yeah, he could. He, he, could he, he, he knows there's an open invitation on the show. He knows that I have offered all the time we have to offer on topics that are mutually agreed, no matter where he wants to go about whatever it is. He doesn't want to take the opportunity. I understand that. That's his choice. And I, I, I get why he doesn't want to do it. If this is who he wants to come on, I want my audience to see what he believes his best defense to yeah. be. I get the frustration. It's frustrating for me, too. I take a different approach, though. You know that. I take a different approach because I don't think that this is about traditional left versus right or ideology. This is about truth versus false. This is about facts versus um, alternative facts. This, it's not the same thing. And I think that I just feel like we do a disservice when we try to give false equivalents to someone who is clearly, clearly obfuscating and clearly has an agenda to mislead people. I don't think that, I think as journalists, we should, we should call them out or not give them the opportunity to be I able to I choose to, to call it that. out. I choose to call it out in yeah. real time and let people see it for what it is. But look, I got to be honest. Stylistically, and to a degree, they have pushed the envelope in the way I've never seen before. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Don, yes, you sir. have to understand this. The reason the American people within the Republican Party have offered him the forgiveness that they have is because they don't expect better from anybody because so much lying happens in politics. Yeah. And I've had people on during the Clinton <clears throat> stuff with the email. They wouldn't answer the questions. They would come on. They'd duck. Look. It's not unusual. In fact, I would argue that Hillary Clinton is one of the best evader questions that we ever had. And that was his opponent. So, but look but where stylistically, she is. it was different. There was a different deference. There was a different tone. I get it. I just believe that is, this is who the president wants out there. I want people to see what he considers his best defense. I want them to see what he thinks is appropriate for his main counselor to do on television. Well, That's the saving grace. I understand that. I respect that. I'm giving you how I feel. And, um, and you are not you alone. Yeah, I know. I know. Boy, do I know. Because whenever it comes on, it's like my texts are why why it's I know, always but you know why, 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 I, why. I, that's all i get now i know any republican i, I have on is not good enough any I, I, congressman mm -mm. No, any senator nah, as soon as they defend the president republican you have on well, they're but, just but, but listen i'm and telling even, but you the same thing with happens. democrats too i mean it's not it's not just republicans but the same thing if a democrat comes on it and does it but mostly it's with some of the folks who come on and it's not just you listen i don't mean to pick on you this is just a conversation that we no, have no i do the it the most and i, I deserve the criticism yeah and i think i it, do it on purpose i do it intentionally yeah i do it for what i believe is good reason but i do it the most and i understand yeah. that i should get the criticism I, yeah i think people are smart they get it they get it so uh thank you chris see you soon
keep trying. Keep See? at it. <laughs> keep trying. <laughs> so I, I like Do that. Do your best, buddy. Yeah, I like that it ended that way because you can tell that they obviously disagree, but you can tell that they have respect for one another. Those guys love each other. They, yeah. I think they've said it to each other on air. Yeah. yeah. And even at the end, he's like, well, keep trying, even though he disagrees right, with right. the fact that Kellyanne Conway is being platformed on CNN. Yeah, I see both sides, though. Yes. I do see both sides. Yes. Because it's, it is, and I don't know where I land on it. I think, oh, it bothers me a lot when I hear her and see her on TV. So in the moment, I'm like, fuck, why are they even having her on? Yeah. <laughs> so much that happens. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. is giving her a chance to just fucking abjectly embarrass herself. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, like like this morning when she talked on Fox and Friends and said that everyone should go read the New Zealand Shooters Manifesto uh, in full. Jesus. They're advocating, please go read it. Go read the manifesto. Yeah. But don't read the Mueller report. Right. We yeah. don't we don't need to know what's in that. But do take in the entire white supremacist manifesto. That's really important. Ah, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> they are terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yeah. Have I mentioned how terrible they are? Yeah, but also let's let's focus on the very kind and gentle disagreement that Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon were able to have yeah. on that issue. I just I really I think that was a great conversation. And obviously there's a disagreement, a strong disagreement. Don Lemon does not believe that he should be having Kellyanne Conway on his show. Well, this is this is something I should check myself with a lot. Um, In terms of the conversation, but the conversations I have with people, especially mm. on the same team, mm-hmm. I often get frustrated and catch myself going into the same territory mentally that I do when I'm arguing with someone who's like a MAGA idiot, mm. and that's not good. You, what we need to do when we when we go into moments like this is determine if their intent is pure. Mm-hmm. Are we on the same side? Do we want the same things? And then. We can have a conversation that's not super aggressive and crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and for I, sure. I catch myself all the time not doing the right thing, immediately thinking the worst of the other person, not believing they have the the best intentions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I need to do a better job. And yeah. This gives me that the tools, or at least the sets the example for me. It models good behavior, Brittany Page. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's just you. I think that's a lot of people. I think it's the it's the climate right now. Even we had some reactions to comments that were said on the previous show about Beto. Yeah, yeah. Beto O'Rourke. You, you, I didn't see him, but you, you said that happened. Yeah, but this is something that, and Jen alluded to it in her voicemail, that we kind of need to be aware of because there are many different Democratic presidential candidates have you seen how many there are? Yeah, goddamn. And I think there's almost as many as there were traffic stops uh, evaluated <laughs> in that study. <laughs> exactly. So it's going to be difficult because people are going to have their top picks and they may not agree with your top picks, even though you generally have the same viewpoint on a lot of issues yeah, and, and the same end goal. Maybe I need to create some kind of a disclaimer, you know, a la this this one that we have for you and I. Uh-huh. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollamore are solely those of Jesse Dollamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. So, so maybe I need to create a, a, a drop that's some, similar to that, 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 that with whatever verbiage I come up with. Is, hey, listen, I like all of these candidates. I think all of these candidates would be far better than Donald Trump. And any criticisms that you hear in the course of our conversations, please know that they would be better than Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that. Even Klobuchar, who I'm not a giant fan of Mm -hmm. anymore. Even Beto, who I do like, but think he thinks he has his problems. Mm -hmm. All of them would be way better. In fact, all of them would be good presidents. Not just better than Donald Trump, because I believe our standard should be higher than well, they're better than Donald Trump. Because I would say that our dog took a shit today that would probably be a better president than Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, Maybe God. even smell just slightly better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that guy, you know that guy smells like cologne. A lot of cologne. I... I've said it before and I stand by it. The cologne issue? Yes. Too much cologne. Too much. 
yeah, I I don't think he's in good health. We'll just say that. He probably needs something to cover up the stench from the poor health. The, the old man smell. From the poor health. Poor it's, health. It's not it's not an age related thing, right? There's there's people who are older who are in great health, probably smell great. Don't think he's in that camp. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. All right. That's all I'm saying. That was a uh, little odd moment. <laughs> so let's do move on though. Mm-hmm. Um Dana Bash from CNN sat down with Brad Pascal. I thought his name was Pascal, but apparently it's Pascal. Pascal. It's not Pascali. I d- oh, maybe it is Pascal. No, no. They say Pascal, <laughs> which I think is a dumb way to say his name. So well, even if that's the way he says it, I'm going to say Pascal. Oh, God. It just sounds fancier. It's okay. a fancier way to say it. All right. So she sits down with him and they have a, like, a conversation on the, in this interview. And I, I, The reason I want to play this is because... Last time on the episode, I said, listen, this next election is going to take all of us to get together. It's going to take every single one of us to to give of our time and our treasure to actually get out there and knock on doors. It's not just anymore that you can just try to get your neighbors to vote. It's not like it used to be where you just, ah, if you got your cousins or your extended family, that was good enough. It is not going to be good enough in 2020. And this this interview really goes to why not because they they've got a stranglehold that whether they happened upon the strategy in 2016 or whether they were actual smart about it either way they are masters of what they're getting ready to pull off in 2020 and it's going to take every single one of us from a grassroots level to make a difference in that election for the democrats Across the Potomac River in this sleek Virginia office space, Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale is quietly building a massive re-election campaign far different from the insurgent 2016 operation. This is a real, as traditional as Donald Trump gets, operation versus 2016. Yes, it's traditional but not traditional. There's traditional senses to it that we now have an operation in time to build out a, a, a building that has proper deaths in it, proper things. Last time, it was not for any fault of some of the people that run it, but it just was fly by the night sometimes because it was going so fast. And this time we already know. We already have the president of the United States. We have the incumbency. We know where we're going. The Trump campaign never really ended. I, Donald John Trump. In a highly unusual move, the president filed for re-election the day he was inaugurated. A year later, he hired Parscale, who long worked with the Trump organization, but never in politics before the 2016 campaign as digital media director. I think... Uh, maybe for other candidates it wouldn't have been right, and maybe I'd never been here sitting in this chair in any other situation, but uh, I wake up every day believing I'm the right guy for this situation. In 2016, Parscale, along with Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner, bought an unprecedented number of digital ads on platforms like Facebook, targeting their message thanks to a massive voter data vault. Ryan's Priebus started at the RNC, which is still growing and a big part of the 2020 plan. And it now can you know, has hundreds of millions of, of, of records and voter history, consumer data. And when we put polling data into that machine and we say, this is what's happening, it can spit out models of saying, these are the people you need to talk to. And this is the messages you should talk to them about. Imagine that it's a, it's a country before with no roads and no, no maps and, and, and no directions. And all of a sudden, you can layer another piece of paper over it and it tells you where everything is. How is it different now? I think you see a massive... Um, injection directly into into your devices and to the places we can communicate with you where you can't turn away. What do you mean by um, that? Text messaging, other technologies, and other things. There's other buildings. Well, that's. It, I mean, Obama used that in 2008. Yeah, but not to the scale. There's look, Facebook. He had used also. The only difference is the scale we used it, the precision we used it. And we can continue to scale precision. Like stepping up technology, turning rally goers into volunteers. We had one election, we won. Now we're going to be two for all, and everything's going to be perfect. Eight, ten thousand people might walk in each rally. Those eight, ten thousand people might know ten people. They might, they are the army that wants to work for the president. And so we need to give them digital technology right on their phone as they're waiting for the president while they're standing outside, while it's a couple days before when they're excited, they're the interested, they're, they're peaking, of, I'm going to go see the president. You say, hey, here are some activities we'd like you to do. Who are your 10 friends you do it? You know, it's much more efficient two years out to try to find a possible voter, a possible donor. It's just a considerable advantage that the other side won't have because 
you just can't replace time. It is still a family affair. Kushner has a leading role, as do son Eric and his wife Laura, who has an official senior advisor title. But they all know who's really in charge. How involved is the president in this? And the president stays involved. When I show him the direction we're going, the things we're building, he, he's excited. And he gives me input. Like, this is what we think we should be doing. He, he, he's always, and I've always said, he's the campaign manager, campaign manager, the communications director, the finance director. He, he is the master of the Trump train, and I'm the conductor on it. Does he really want to be president again, though? Because he didn't want to be president in the first place. That's right. right. That, well, that's what it seems from everything we know. That he was surprised that he ended up winning. But did everybody hear that? A massive injection into your devices where you can't turn away. Through the data that they got from Cambridge Analytica, they still have that data. That psychographic data, which largely doesn't change on an individual. They're going to be able to be targeting people more fine-tuned than they were in 2016. Well, and that's because psychographic data is your attitudes, your beliefs, your values, personality traits that you have. Yeah, that's why it's things that don't really change. Yeah, that's why it was so critical that they had that data in 2016. Mm -hmm. And that's why it did what it did for them. Mm Mm-hmm. They still hold those numbers. All of that data. That's a problem. That's a problem for Democrats. And we might say, well, his his poll numbers are off the charts low and it's not going to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, some of that is, is true. But that's also what we thought going into November 8, 2016. Yeah. Those are the same attitudes that I had when we did the live stream, Brittany, <laughs> from the living room. Yeah. Yeah. And people were like, oh, my God. And I was like, nope, don't worry, everybody. Yeah. This is going to be okay. What and about I that, was fucking wrong. What about that trumpeting of the horn? Didn't work out that day. It did, did not it? work out. I did not. Well, thanks for bringing that pain yeah. to the forefront, Brittany Page. Well, sometimes you need to re- be reminded of how wrong you are. Some, I'm wrong all the time. The mm-hmm. horn is to remind myself of when I'm right. Mm-hmm. Listen, if I was right all the time, the horn would be played on a daily fucking basis. I know it would. And it's not. <laughs> it's definitely Let's not. remember how rarely it's played. <laughs> Please. Okay. So anyway, I just want to admonish the audience. And this is advice for you as, as much as it is for me that we need to, to band together this election and do act in a way that we've never acted before rela- related to presidential politics. Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take every one of us from a grassroots level to make a difference, to stand behind the general election candidate, to not do some bullshit where Bernie didn't get the nomination, so you're angry and fucking I'm not going to vote, or fucking I'm going to vote for the other guy. Right. Because we're in this position because, in part, because of those people. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about a couple of candidates. Elizabeth Warren, uh, CNN, and I I really believed it was too early, but I'm starting to turn on it, the, the town halls that they're doing. Yeah, well, remember, the first debates are supposed to be happening in June. That's right. And it is... Which is, fuck, it's almost June. It's almost... <laughs> I mean, we're, we're nearing the end of March, which is insane, almost april and then soon it will be may and then yeah. after that it's june it is june i don't know if you guys know may. how a calendar works also but... did you know that it's july just after june oh my fucking god fucking insane breaking news <laughs> <laughs> holy shit so mm-hmm. um elizabeth warren yes and we're only going to talk about two candidates here well we're going to talk about all of them but just so two here, for today. today yes no, here just for today. What? What? <laughs> so Elizabeth Warren, he, here's a problem I have. And this is a problem I have with Beto. Um, and it has to do with Medicare for, Medicare for All. He campaigned for Senate as a big rally cry for Medicare for All. That's my thing. I'm progressive. Medicare for All. And now he's pushed back from that. Now he's not, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to say I'm progressive. I'm not sure if Medicare for all is, but it might be too expensive. I don't know how we're going to do that. All of this vacillating, this equivocating. 
And I don't like that. I don't like that. I didn't like that when I was on the fringes of being a Republican, when Mitt Romney came around, and I was disgusted by that. And I don't like it now, when I'm certainly not a Republican, and, uh, and Beto's doing it. But here's what I do like. I like intelligent conversation about the topic. And whether you use the phrase Medicare for all, or whether you call yourself a progressive, I don't really fucking care. What I want is policy to be put in action that has the same results that are going to be good for everybody. Listen to Elizabeth Warren give a masterful policy understanding of the place we need to go in America related to health care. I appreciate that your question starts with the Affordable Care Act. Let's all remember when we're talking about what's possible. Let's start where we are and the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Right now, Democrats are trying to figure out how to expand health care coverage at the lowest possible cost so everybody is covered. Republicans right this minute are out there trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act. They've got a lawsuit pending down in Texas where they're trying to roll it back, what they couldn't do with a vote. They're trying to do with the courts. HHS every day is doing what they can to undermine the Affordable Care Act. So when we're talking about health care in America right now, the first thing we need to be talking about is defend the Affordable Care Act, protection under the Affordable Care Act. Then part two, let's make the improvements that are what I think of as the low-hanging fruit. For example, let's bring down the cost of prescription drugs all across this country. We got lots of ways we can do that. We can import drugs from Canada where the safety standards are the same. That would cut costs dramatically. We can negotiate the prices under Medicare. That would cut costs dramatically. And I've got a proposal to help bring down the cost on generic drugs, which could be about 90% of all prescriptions. So let's get those costs down. And then you know what you're going to hear from a consumer advocate, and that is we need to hold insurance companies accountable. And that means no tripping and trapping people on those insurance contracts. And then when we talk about Medicare for all, there are a lot of different pathways. What we're all looking for is the lowest cost way to make sure everybody gets covered. And some folks are talking about, let's start lowering the age. Maybe bring it down to 60, 55, 50. That helps cover people who are most at risk and can be helpful, for example, to the labor's plans. Some people say do it the other way. Let's bring it up from uh, everybody under 30 gets covered by Medicare. Others say let employers be able to buy into the Medicare plans. Others say let's let employees buy into the Medicare plans. For me, what's key is we get everybody at the table on this, that labor's at the table, that people who have to buy on their own, everybody comes to the table together, and we figure out how to do Medicare for all in a way that makes sure that we're going to get 100% coverage in this country at the lowest possible cost for everyone. That's our job. So, Senator, if I could just follow up a little on Jay's question. So you are a co-sponsor of Senator Bernie yep. Sanders' Medicare for, for All bill, and I understand there are a lot of different paths to universal coverage, but, yep. but his bill that you've co-sponsored would essentially eliminate private insurance. Is that something you could support? He's got a runway for that. I think we get everybody together, and that's what it is. We'll decide. Um, I've also co-sponsored other bills, including expanding Medicaid is another approach that we use. But what's really important to me about this is we never lose sight of what the center is, because the center is about making sure that every single person in this country gets the coverage they need and that it's at a price that they can afford. We start with our values, we'll get to the right place. So theoretically though, there could be a, a role for private insurance companies could, under President or there Warren. Could be a, there could be a temporary role. Even Bernie's plan has a runway before it gets there. Um, because it's a look, it's a big and complex system, and we've got to make sure that we land this in a way that doesn't do any harm. Everybody has got to stay covered. It's critical.
So I am a fan of Elizabeth Warren. So am I. I will say that the most difficult thing that she probably has uh, going for her right now is that she's fighting over the same pool of voters as Bernie. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the most difficult thing for Elizabeth Warren in terms of getting her to advance up that ladder. Yeah. Let me say this also. Um, I do like Elizabeth Warren and I have my criticisms for Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. I think she handled this fucking Indian blood uh, ancestry thing horribly. Mm -hmm. Tone deaf as fuck. Terribly disrespectfully of people who are actually Native American, American Indian. But I still think that she is, for me, I mean, how many are in the race now? 45, 50? She's, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. she, for me, she's, she's a top three for me. Yeah. She's top three. Mm -hmm. And that's having given her a lots of criticism over the past. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if you go back and you could search her name on the website, dollamore.com, there's probably uh, episodes where we've tagged her name, where I've talked about her, and it always wasn't glowing and shiny. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure that people take a minute to consider their reactions to female politicians please, uh, before they actually make a judgment. So, Elizabeth Warren is a woman. She's a little bit confrontational. Yeah. In her I, It's what I really like. In her speaking style. She's also fucking smart as shit. Yeah, and that can really turn people off. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. So I, I think that when we are judging the candidates, just try to account for your bias there. And I know it's hard, but maybe just do some internal brainstorming. Ask yourself the question. Yeah, how much of this is me having a reaction to this woman who yeah. is quite confrontational and maybe a little aggressive and I'm not really used to seeing women act like this and I'm a little turned off by it. Ask yourself that question. Yeah. Does that play a negative role for you? Is that part of the negative evaluation that you're having? And if it is, not valid. Yeah, it's do, not valid. You need to do some work then, yeah. right? That tells you a little bit of something about what you need to do internally. So the, the other candidate is Pete Buttigieg, mm -hmm. who's a 37-year-old Af uh, Afghanistan veteran, Navy uh, reservist, I think he was a lieutenant, mayor of uh, South Bend, Indiana, a mayor of a small town, a, a small city, and he's a gay man. Not, not the, the traditional trajectory to go for mayor of a mid-sized city, small city in America, to president of the United States. This guy also is up there for me. I haven't really weighed where I think he is and get to give him a number. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's all about the Jesse D rating. Yeah, what's the ranking? <laughs> what's the Jesse D ranking? Right, right. So anyway, he, this is another guy I like because he, well, and I don't think he really has a chance. He might end up being a VP nominee or something. But I like him because he's very plain spoken. He doesn't talk. He does talk like a politician. He doesn't evade questions like a politician. Listen to this this exchange. And this, again, is what at one of those CNN town halls where he's asked about Pence and whether he'd be better than Trump and Pence being governor and him, you know, governor of Indiana while he was mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I bring in James Doty. He's a professor of neurosurgery at Stanford. Professor? professor. Hi. Thank you for your service and your position in politics. The question I'd like to ask you is, as you pointed out, uh, Vice President Pence is obviously quite conservative. And in regard to these conservative views, in regard to religion and his sexuality, in comparison to the average voter or the voter in Indiana, let's say, are his views an aberration, or is this really representative of the state? Or, or are most people more like you in your more liberal views about us as humans? Please don't judge my state by our former governor. Um, 
I think those views are so out of line with where anybody is. And look, I got to tell you, this was kind of a difficult journey for a lot of people. I mean, if you were conservative and you're from an older generation and you were brought up by people you trusted to believe that it was morally wrong to be, for example, in a same-sex marriage. And then the pace of change has happened so quickly. I've benefited from the pace of that change. But I also understand how disorienting it must be for people to have gone through that. So when we had this huge and, and, and painful controversy in 2015, when Mike Pence divided our state with this so-called Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was really a license to discriminate, provided you remember to mention your religion as an excuse for discriminating. That's what that was. Um, when that happened, uh, we worked really hard to invite people who were struggling to come onto the right side of history but wanted to get there uh, to feel that we weren't going to judge them because they, they had struggled. We just wanted them on our side. But the amazing thing that happened, happened in Indiana was that Democrats and Republicans rose up. There was a coalition of mayors, business leaders, uh, sports leaders. I think even NASCAR put out a statement saying they were disappointed. And the business Republicans in our state revolted right alongside us progressives. And so that shows me that there is a belief in just decency that really does stand against that kind of social extremism. And my hope is that same decency can be summoned from our communities in red states and blue states to change what's happening in the politics of our country before it's too late. Do you think... Do you think... Vice President Pence would be a, a better or worse president than President Trump? Oh. Um. <laughs> Do, does it have to be between Politics those? is about choices, man. You know that. I mean, I don't know. It's really strange because I used to at least believe that, that he believed in our... I've disagreed with him ferociously on these things, but I thought, well, at least he, he believes in our institutions and he's not personally corrupt. But then... Um, but then how could he get on board with this presidency? How could somebody who, you know, he, his interpretation of Scripture is pretty different from mine to begin with. Okay, I, my understanding of Scripture is that it is about protecting the stranger and the prisoner and the poor person and that idea of welcome. That's, that's what I get in the gospel when, when I'm in church. And his has a lot more to do with, with sexuality and, uh, I don't know, a certain view of rectitude, but even if you buy into that, how could he allow himself to become the, the cheerleader of the porn star presidency? Is it, that he, is it that he stopped believing in scripture when he started believing in Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't know. So I know that you were praising him for being a, a sharpshooter and directly speaking and not being evasive. He was a little evasive in the beginning, but then boy, did he come on strong at the end. Well, I don't know that he was being <laughs> evasive. I think he's, I think he's understand. If, if you're talking about him acknowledging, there are people who are going to have a hard time stepping into the right side of history. Mm-hmm. If he's, he's acknowledging that there are going to be 60, 70, 50, whatever year old people out there who being gay was an aberration. Being gay was an abomination, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's acknowledging that, ah, well, I realize some of those people, you know, they're going to be slow to come around. People who are, are good people in their hearts, but this is the way it's always been, and they, don't, they haven't really given it much thought. The same people we talk about who never have read a book since fucking high school. I think he's just acknowledging the reality of it. He's not giving him a, a pass, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think he was being evasive on that issue but oh. um i i do think that people who are on the left who are waiting for a candidate that is an atheist or who doesn't talk about religion that's not going to be happening for a while yeah and, and the reason that won't happen for a while is because a candidate cannot win without playing to that side of things i agree with that and they just can't and, and so you know him talking because the question's gonna be asked and then if you try to evade it then it's gonna be asked even more right so him being respectful about scripture even though he's seems to be taking a cafeteria style approach to religion uh, and christianity that's what we need right yeah it's it's not the best but it is what's most likely to win. And unfortunately, in politics, it isn't what is most honest or what is most genuine. It's 
what's going to get us the most votes here? Yeah. And let, let's talk a little bit about what his downsides are. Look, he's 37 years old. It's not a lot of life experience relative to running the most powerful nation the world has ever known. He's also only a mayor and not of the mayor of New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago, Houston, Phoenix even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Yeah. It's not a, it's not, it, it, it is not a demonstration of his executive prowess. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want going forward for the 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 the, the high watermark or the the benchmark to be well. He's better than Donald Trump, so good to go. Yeah, but the last two presidents have had zero executive experience. Barack Obama was a community organizer. He, he was a senator for a, for a couple of years. Didn't really have the chops to be president of the United States of America. And Donald Trump, it goes unsaid that he has zero. Fuck, he hasn't picked up a book and. Maybe 25 years, unless it was to sign it, you know, like the Bible at a, at a, at a hurricane or at a, at a tornado rally. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to hold that against him because we have had um, men in our past, and I'm not looking just for a man, but all of our presidents have only been men. But I, we have had men in our past who didn't really have the, the, the resume, the CV, if you will, to run for president. So maybe he'll be one of those. Anyway, those are the two the clips we're gonna we brought we're gonna bring for you today. There are gonna be many more over the course of the la- of the next uh, several months. We want to have this conversation with everybody about who your favorites are. What are your criticisms of your favorites? Actually, that is something I want to know. If you have a favorite, someone you're leaning toward right now, what are your criticisms of them? Yeah. Because I've said it before, we need to go clear-eyed into 2020 and understand that it is it is as important, if not more, to understand, to have a full vision of the foibles of the people we we, we support, as it is that, oh, they're great, they're great, they're great. Critical thinking needs to be used in this process. So don't get pissed off if I say something bad about the person you like. I just said bad stuff about the people that I just played that I happen to like a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, I want to hear who's at the top of your list and also, like you said, the the flaws that you see in that person. Uh, We can't hold people up on pedestals and believe that they are perfect beings who are incapable of wrongdoing. That is right. Because no one is. That no one is. And we need to be realistic here. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap. Before we do, though, we want to mention, we want to give a shout out to Wayne, Wayne in the UK. Yes. Who sent us a little uh, a little drinking money. Mm-hmm. A little, uh, little, little wine buying money. Perfect. That was specifically allocated for that. <laughs> that is very kind. It is awesome. So thank you, Wayne, for using the the old PayPal. We appreciate it, brother. You are the best. Your beautiful daughter and wife. We hope you're doing well. Uh, we're going to leave you there. We appreciate every single one of you. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 657-464-7609, or leave us a voicemail or a voice memo by emailing it from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it. Yeah, this is why we love our pets, idiot. (laughs) You know? (laughs) 